Franco Harris is the career rushing yards leader for the Super Bowl with 354 yards. Number two, Larry Zonka with less than 300 yards. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Franco Harris. I think we have to spend a little bit of time talking about Franco Harris, even though I think you and I weren't old enough to watch him play. Like the Immaculate Reception is um, what we point to as like our memory of Franco Harris. And it was a seminal moment in the history of the NFL, but it was already history when we were born. Like I was born in 83. Immaculate Reception was already like history. So like understanding his career, uh, like I've been spending time reading and learning about him a little bit more today. And I know how growing up running backs were so much more important to an offense than quarterbacks are. But even, I mean, even more back then, you would think I was looking at his numbers when he was all pro, he had 1,200 yards and Terry Bradshaw had like 2,055. And it's crazy to think of percentage wise, how much more important a running back was uh, to their offense. Yeah. And that's over a fort. That's over a 14 game season. And like uh, when I Googled Franco Harris today, which some cursory Googling after, after he passed away, um, I also was just struck by the fact that he was 6'2, 230 pounds playing football in the 70s when linemen were mostly under 300 pounds. That's like he was bigger compared to the guys defending him even than Derrick Henry is now. And he, he goes out there and he looks like a monster. Like people in the second level don't want to tackle him. And I can't imagine that with Franco. Yeah, he was a special athlete, and everyone that I hear talking about him talks about how kind and smart a man he was. He was just doing interviews. Uh, I think he was on Mad Dog's show yesterday. Like He was just doing interviews and talking yesterday. So, like, from everything we could hear, he seemed like he was uh, at least all there cognitively. Like, obviously, something else went wrong. I don't think the the cause of death has been released yet. But I do think it's fair for us to – to appreciate him, even if we weren't old enough to watch him play. I mean, of course, it's fair for us to appreciate him, but I think it's important for us to appreciate what somebody like him meant to the game. He won four Super Bowls, one of which he was the MVP of the Super Bowl, and he was a seminal piece, maybe even like the centerpiece to the offense, to one of the most important and foundational dynasties in history, and that immaculate reception play was one of the plays, if not I think uh, Greeny said on Get Up this morning that he felt that that was the play that launched um, football into it being the dominant TV property that it was that it it has now become. And it's an interesting way to look at it. But Franco Harris's uh, place in football history uh, it's going to be appreciated, particularly this week. We're coming up on the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and I, they had already scheduled to retire his jersey at halftime of the game Sunday. So it's going to be an emotional week for a lot of people. And anytime mortality is on the forefront, whether it's close to you or not, I think it makes us all do a little bit of thinking and appreciating, particularly around the holiday times. I do really love and appreciate my family, but damn, I'm tired. Yeah. (laughs) I've been spending a lot of time with them this week. And Charlie, before we got on here, I full disclosure, for all the um, listeners, I appreciate you and the watchers on YouTube. I'm not prepared for today's show. <laughs> I am tired as hell. If you know, if you listened on Monday, you know that I've been in New York for the last few days 
with um, my three young kids and my wife. And my wife didn't want to make this trip, mm-hmm. which which if anybody is in a relationship, uh, you know that yeah. then the pressure is on you to make it worthwhile. So, like, I wanted them to all to come. I didn't want to be away from there out of school or Christmas time. Come. We go to New York around Christmas time and it's fun. And uh, Ashley was concerned about the germs with all the tridemic is going on. And she was also Tis the con- season. Yep. She was also concerned about like having activities for the kids and I being cooped up in a hotel room and them fighting and whatever. So I'm up in the morning, do the shows, and then I'm planning activities. We go to the spy museum. We go to National Museum of History. Go to um, the VR studio. We go to the Lego store. We're at FAO Schwartz and we're in Central Park. We're doing everything. I'm tired that at night I'm trying to catch up on all the sports stuff to get on here. Um, Charlie, you don't have kids yet, but I do know that you are getting close to that age. You bought a house recently. So yep. you are dealing with some dad. I am not as uh, ex- uh, fully extended as you are in that universe, but I'm starting to feel that way. And like, you know, we don't have much to complain about. We're talking about sports. And for me, also producing sports shows is what we do, which is overall fun. But it is exhausting. And when you t- when you add in like the real life stuff, I had I had a radiator that broke in my house. So it was causing a mini flood. And I'm like in between it, Googling diagnoses on Jalen Hurts' shoulder injury and trying to find stats about Trevor Lawrence. And so those those things become exhausting. And for you. I was that kid once. I, I was your son, Declan. And yeah. FAO Schwartz going to New York when you get to do it for the holidays. It's it's crack for kids. It's <laughs> it's 24. It's 24 seven simulation. You get the Lion King. Ugh. Every single hot dog stand you walk by, you're like, ooh, they don't have these where I'm growing up. I, I need to go to those. You, you called it. So the hot dog situation. So and we did all that stuff. And um uh, we did the Rockettes too, and yeah. the the MJ show, the which the kids have seen before, but they liked it, so they went again. So we're busy, very busy. But my son and we've never like bought street food before, yeah, because it's like it's street food, it's hit or miss. Like you could get some street food that's good, and some street food that's bad. But my son, like you mentioned, he's completely overstimulated, so he's like fired up and they've been in new york a bunch of times we lived here for a year yeah they're comfortable with new york but he really wanted a street dog and i was like look man you never know with these street dogs so and and emerson the younger one like really just tries to copy him all the time yeah so they both had street dogs and of course we're in the museum (laughs) looking for a restroom like we just got emergency poops happening and i'm like you really shouldn't have eaten that street dog he's like it was good though and then we're headed back after um, the National Museum of History, or no, that's not what it's called. That's the DC one. Yep. Anyway, the big museum here. Uh, we're headed back. Dad, can I get another street dog? What? You didn't learn your lesson? So nope. we got another. We got another street dog, baby. Back in the bathroom when we get back to the hotel. It's. They look so good when you're a kid who grows up in DC and there's food yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You, you can't resist it. Yeah. So did you find? Um, I've been managing, obviously, it's my job. So I've been managing to stay on top of a lot of sports things mm-hmm. um, and getting ready. The Dak conversation is ongoing. The Cowboys conversation. The Jalen Hurts going to happen, yep. Yeah, the Jalen Hurts injury um, situation, how it impacts that team and the playoffs. Also, Jokic 
lining up his third MVP. These are all things that I'm trying to stay abreast of. Either where do you want to start? One of those or something else? Or you want to just spend the next few minutes listening to me complain about how time No, no. So I think we should – here's how how I, I laid it out. Let's do a little chronological stuff. Immediate, because we actually have a somewhat juicy Thursday night football game with Jaguars-Jets. And I think we should – that's, that's you know, coming out tonight when this podcast out. We'll talk there. I do want to move to Jalen Hurts and the Cowboys game. And then Jokic and some bets end on that. Um, and we'll also update because spoiler alert, we'll get into this more later, but me and Dominique both suck at social media. We're <laughs> not as, not as glued to, uh, to the phones, not as good at the game as some of our coworkers, but yeah. we did get a lot of suggestions of punishments for me if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. So we could end there, but should we start with Jaguars jets? I'm down. Let's start with Jags jets. Also, I just it just hit me that I never introduce you or I rare occasionally introduce you to start the show. So it's Charlie Kravitz, everybody. He's producer on lots of um important great television properties and also now a co-host transitioning. Yeah. I appreciate right. it, Charlie. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DF. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So where do you want to start? Um, let's start with Jaguars Jets, because I think before the season, we would be shocked if we thought that that was going to be a truly exciting football game. Not just a football game of decent teams, but teams that are actually sort of fun to watch. And there is more volatility in this game because Zach Wilson is going to be starting again. And while the Jags have been volatile, Trevor Lawrence is on one. I think yeah. even including the, the the Lions game where he sort of laid an egg over the last six weeks, statistically, you can make the argument he has been the best quarterback in football. He has 15 touchdowns and two total turnovers, one fumble, one interception over that span. And what I would want to start with is, one, do you expect Trevor Lawrence to be awesome against that Jets defense? And two, does it even totally matter? Because the Jets have a chance with, with Zach Wilson playing quarterback in this game because he was decent, but not even as decent as Mike White in their in their loss last week. 
right, before we get to that, the I you saw me looking around. If yeah. you're on YouTube, you just saw me looking around. And the irony of former athlete hosting a show with half producer, half personality, like it just hit me. I'm I'm in the Jalen and Jacoby studio, as you can see, and R.I.P. to Jalen and Jacoby. But uh, we will carry on the legacy, uh, proud legacy that they did not offer to us. But we will carry it on anyway of, of a former athlete and producer slash talent. But anyway, that's right. I- <laughs> One of the punishments offered was to get the the Carlos Carlos Boozer haircut, which is you know the the buzz cut and the painted on hair, which uh. to be fair would bring me much closer to Jacoby. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well done. Uh, that's the front runner for the punishment. So um, do the Jets have a chance? Yes. The Jets have a chance yeah. in every game because their defense is that good. Uh, would I pick them given how well the Jags are playing right now and that Josh, uh, that Zach Wilson, I always say Josh, I don't know what it is. I know I had a teammate named Josh Wilson. It's mm-hmm. the four letters, but I've had plenty of teammates with similar last names, but I always say Josh. It's the four letters. I don't know what it is. I'm I'm convinced it's like um, because he looks like a Josh. No, no, I'm convinced it's like the Mandela effect of of quarterbacks that we thought we I shouldn't say we that many analysts thought were going to suck before the draft, and that oh, was Josh Allen, and now yeah. it's Zach Wilson, and Josh obviously graduated to being a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and so now <laughs> Zach Wilson is carrying the torch. Well, I was wrong about Josh Allen, so yeah. um, I'm one of those people. That was nice of you to, to say, not we, but many analysts. You can well, definitely lay that on my lap because I, 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 I had a tweet he saying suck. he was going to be a Hall of Fame tight end when he got drafted, so <laughs> I was sort of on it too. That's a hilarious tweet. You say you're bad in social media. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, the Jets defense is good. The, the real interesting thing to me about this is having these conversations, and so like there are, I was going to say there are a few areas that I feel extremely confident about, but that's that's a lie. I feel very confident about talking about a lot of areas, some more than others. When it comes to like management and leadership, like it's mm-hmm. it's something that I've done and it's also something that I've studied. So like I feel somewhat more comfortable talking about that, I think, relative to other people in this media business it's like having been the president of the nfl players association having been a ceo of the nba players association having gone to business school and taken leadership classes so i bring that up because the biggest criticism that i or the most interesting criticism i've been hearing is of robert sala in this situation and i've been so impressed with his leadership and management in this like this season is to me it feels like there was some criticism from Steve Young and um, Alex Smith about how Robert Sala has been handling Zach Wilson. <laughs> Thank you. And to me, it feels like what you are doing when you are a leader, when you're talking to the media, is people forget this, is they aren't talking to you necessarily, and they are not trying to give you insight. A smart head coach or a smart quarterback or any or owner or general manager in that situation is understanding, understands that this is a tool for their management. And this is a way for them to speak to a specific player, speak to a group of players, speak to fans, speak to the other team. And that's what he's been doing all year. And it's part of the pushback that Steve and Alex Smith said, they didn't like the way that they were putting Zach in and pulling him out. And sometimes he's a backup and sometimes he's not a backup. And to me, it seems very clear what Robert Sala is doing is he's not only trying to manage 
um, down to his players who like ostensibly work for him. He's also managing up to the ownership group. And he's also like kind of managing across to the quarterback because the quarterback's the only other person who can have as prominent a role on the team when it comes to culture and stuff as the head coach. So he's doing all these things at the same time. And I think he kept, he kept uh, Zach in there for as long as he could. And then part of the reason why he had to bench him was because he had to send a message to the rest of his team. And then part of the reason why he wasn't dressed as the backup is because he's trying to send a message to, to Zach. And he's like, this hasn't gotten your attention. Us losing hasn't gotten your attention. You playing poorly hasn't gotten your attention. Me benching you hasn't gotten your attention. All right, you won't even dress. Is this going to get your attention? Is this going to break through? And I think some of the criticism of Zach before the draft was not even being a captain on his college team, which I tend to dismiss those sort of things. Honestly, my reflex is to dismiss those sort of things because they feel a lot like um, hearsay and like wonderlick stuff, which like this type of stuff happens a lot to black quarterbacks where it's like, and so I, I tend to dismiss those sorts of things. And I dismissed it then like, yeah, whatever, neither here or there. Maybe his coach was, asshole. but it's starting to show and seem like when he's not willing to take credit publicly, which is quarterback one oh one. Dak Prescott did it a couple weeks ago or did it this week. Like, he didn't say that all my interceptions are tip balls or me getting hit or me being under pressure. He said, it's my fault. I need to handle this. Like, he understands that game. And we know that Zach said a couple weeks ago that he didn't feel like he let the team down, and that's what got him benched. And I do, like, I have been coming into this season, Robert Sala is talking about, y'all, he going to take receipts, and I'm laughing at him. And I'm not thinking – it reminds me somewhat of like Sirianni's opening press conference. Those are moments where I'm like, ah, uh, this guy don't know what he's doing. But if I watch what has happened for Sirianni and Robert Sala through this season, I am much more confident, whether the Jets make the playoffs or not, I am much more confident in Robert Sala having improved in the part of coaching that you don't get practice for and you don't often don't even and you often don't even know that you're doing it. Like, you don't realize that as your some coaches, I think. And some this is true of all leaders. Maybe people can look in their workplace at their bosses, or maybe you're a manager. Maybe people can think about that also and understand that when you are in, like, an obvious leadership situation, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, the things you say, those all have an impact. And, like, Greeny's been feeling a little bit, like – not his best lately. And I like, I notice it. We all notice it. It changes the vibe in the morning. And I know like we have a 6, 6 a.m. meeting every morning before get up. And it's some of them, my teammates on the Ravens would call it Fifi, which is like fake, fake excitement. And Greeny brings the Fifi to that morning meeting. Like I can't, I can't imagine that every morning at 6 a.m. Greeny is excited about having this meeting with us, but he recognizes that we're all looking at him. And so the last couple mornings, he hasn't brought it. You know what? I'm in there and I'm like, we need some Fifi. So I start pretending like I'm excited about stuff that I'm not excited about to like impact the mood. And then like, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a better show. So like, I, I don't know. It's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important 
for for coaches and leaders to be aware of that. And I'm not sure that Robert Sala, I'm not sure whether he knew or didn't know that he was doing it prior to this. And like that comment about taking the receipts, Robert Sala knows he has to know that that's like, that doesn't serve him well, but it plays well in the locker room, (laughs) you know? Well, that's one of the things I, I find incredibly charming about Robert Sala and like, so I, I think actually back to his introductory press conference, he kept saying how he's going to coach all gas, no breaks. Right. Um, and one, I think you see that with the team. I think he said it was decision making. He's not someone who's like looking, looking back at stuff. They're moving forward every single week because this team was not a really good football team. And when you have this turnaround midseason, and I know the personnel is better than we gave it credit for. I know Garrett Wilson's a freak. I know Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are maybe the best cornerback duo in the NFL, but it's, it's really hard to make tough decisions and have everyone buy in on it. And the jets have done that. And like that, my read on Robert Sala is he's a tough guy, not a try hard. Um, And that's like a hard line to walk and not have someone roll their eyes at you, particularly when you're in a football locker room where of the 53 guys, I assume 48 of them are tough guys, even if they're tryhards. So to, to sort of win that respect that you can make these hard decisions and do the tough things. I actually, I find it really impressive for a young coach and like, we don't know anything about these coaches when they get hired. We have an idea if their units are good on other teams, but to see it actually put in, put into practice and to take that next step from good coordinator, to good coach. It's important. That's a huge part of the jets, even beyond the roster. That's one of the things too, is like, w- Again, culture is one of those things that I feel more comfortable talking about because it's again, it's something that I've studied and talked about. And like, it's one of those things I feel more comfortable talking about. And it's something that we use when we don't understand what's happening as like a hand wave to like say, like, the culture that team is bad. The culture this team is good. They do things the right way, they do things the wrong way. We use those cliches. And I think that part of, and this is like nothing that, um, Ozzie Newsom has ever said to me specifically, but it's something that I noticed about him. Um, and and for my money, he's the best um, executive in the history of the league. With his first yeah. draft, he drafted back-to-back Hall of Famers, one and two, John Ogden and Ray Lewis. And St. Albans. Albans alum, John Ogden, yes. love it. We got to show that picture at some point um, yeah. of Jonathan Ogden playing high school football. Uh, Charlie went to the same school. Uh, and played the same position as Jonathan Ogden. If you're on YouTube, you can see how ridiculous that might sound. Only about a 10-inch, 10, 10 150, 160-pound difference when we were playing. <laughs> to be fair, Charlie's not as big as he was when he was in high school. He was a little thicker, but also he was never 6'5". <laughs> he did not get shorter. <laughs> that's, but anyway, that's right. Back to the point I was trying to make about um, Ozzie Newsom. It's like it's not something he ever said to me. But it's something that I noticed. And Ozzy went to Alabama. That might be part of it. But it seemed like to me at the end of drafts or around um, like not super consequential picks. And even also probably with some of the consequential picks, he'd pick players from big schools and pick players from Alabama. And I noticed the Jets made me think of that, too, because part of it is like Garrett Wilson. I remember the. When he got drafted, that video of his dad giving him that speech. And I was like, I love this kid because look what he's come from and look what is being instilled in him. And like he went to Ohio State. They're not accustomed to getting that speed. 
and you got Quentin Will- Williams in Alabama, and you got Sauce Gardner, who's a corner in every sense of the word from confidence throughout. And I think when we're talking about the coach trying to impact the culture, football teams are not basketball teams. They're big as hell. And it's nice to have guys on that team that can influence the culture. When I was with the Ravens, one of the things I noticed more than anything is the culture of that team was like those old Miami teams. And like, it wasn't a coincidence. I don't think that they ended up with so many of those players in those situations. And like some of the weird culture things that we do that like they would say no hand claps and slaps, which is like weird. Every team you're on what that meant was like, if you made a mistake, guys would clap their hands together. Like, ah, that wasn't allowed. You get called out. If you do that, if you do something, well, you slap somebody on the butt, not allowed. That's not cool. Like we didn't do any of that stuff. And it was like a weird thing that I didn't think mattered, but it like spoke to everything else that they did. And there was another thing that when you brought somebody new on the team, they would say, Everyone had to introduce them or get introduced. So first team meeting, new player on the team, they somebody would yell, give him a him. And the new guy on the team didn't know what that meant. And then so the coach would say, stand up, introduce yourself. No matter who you are, you stand up. My name's Dominique Foxworth. Uh, I just signed here as a free agent. They might yell, how much you signed for? Something like that. You, you, you answer that question. And then somebody would start going, him. Then the whole team, him, him, was, it was everybody. And that's like, yeah, you know, and it's like, it's a weird little thing, but like what it expresses to you is like, you're not, don't matter what you sign for. It doesn't matter if you're a first round pick. doesn't matter what, you are like a guy in this team. And back to the original point, I've gone on a tangent. I don't know if it's good to not have a plan for the show or bad to not have a plan for the show, but we are certainly leaning leaning into not having a plan for the show because I wasn't planning on talking about any of this. But anyway, no, no, this is great because this is like this is more belief in the Jets and why this team is going right. to play well, even with Zach Wilson back at quarterback. And I think that brings us back to this game, which is actually fascinating because is that culture going to keep them playing well against the Red Hot Jags team? And I, I have a little Trevor Lawrence game for you at the end, okay. but how do you see this? Do you? How do you sort of see this game going? I'm not asking for a a score, but do you expect both these teams to play well and play as well as they have over the last five or six weeks? I do. I mean, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't um, play well. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, It's not going to be like that Cowboys game last week with the Jags. This Jets defense is too good. Um, But, yeah, it's hard for me to pick who's going to win. It feels very toss-up-y because it's a great quarterback and a great defense. Yeah. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. And so for the Trevor Lawrence thing, I wanted, like, since week nine, he's first in the NFL in passer rating. He's first in completion percentage. He's first in, t- in touchdown interception uh, percentage. Um, and it got me thinking because we've done a lot of grading quarterbacks because it's fun and it's interesting and they're the most important players to a franchise's growth. Um, and early in the season, he we were all in on Trevor Lawrence and midseason we were sort of out. We we're talking about Justin Fields, the best guy from the draft. And I think Justin Fields is awesome, but I think Trevor Lawrence has become the player that we thought he was going to become. If he not, it's impossible to continue playing this efficiently, but in this, in this vein. And it made me look back at the top 10 quarterbacks that ESPN had before the season. And I want to read that list to you because it was Josh Allen. And this is the order they had it in. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson. That list was missing uh, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and um, Joe Burrow, notably. But I want to go through it because I think, you know, the top two, obviously, he if you switch positions with them, if you put Trevor Lawrence on that team, they wouldn't be better. Josh Allen, Patrick Holmes. But I do want to do a, a game of would you rather after that. And would the teams, because not just youth, it's just would, is he a better quarterback in a vacuum right. than these guys? And I think Justin Herbert's probably too soon. He's sort of like a not as developed Justin Herbert. Um, but I think we can pick up the list with Aaron Rodgers. And I would ask you, would you rather Aaron Rodgers or Trevor Lawrence? Mm. I'd rather Trevor Lawrence and it's, I think maybe I'm skewed by the rant I just went on, but uh, from a talent and culture standpoint, I'd like to be tied to Trevor Lawrence from a raw talent standpoint. I'd still go Aaron Rodgers, but um, yeah, I'd like to include all the other stuff. So I go Trevor Lawrence cause he, yeah, he, he doesn't feel like the same person that, could be challenging to deal with. Yeah. Okay, let's do these next next four rapid fire. All right. Matthew Stafford. Lawrence. Russell Wilson. Lawrence. Kyler Murray. Lawrence. Derek Carr. Lawrence. All right, now, now it's an interesting player because one of the best teams in the league, and when he's been back, they've been awesome. Dak Prescott. Dak. Okay. Um... Deshaun Watson. I think it's pretty clear we can go Trevor Lawrence here with how he's played. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Um, I mean, especially and, how he's played in, in the, the culture standpoint that we just talked about. And then now we're at 10, but I want to go through the next three, too, because I think we've now come to the conclusion that even with the sort of drop in quality in the middle of the season, he is a top 10 quarterback now. A, a stealth top 10 quarterback who is hyped to be the next John Elway, Andrew Luck, or Peyton Manning. Uh, Lamar Jackson. <sighs> Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I, yeah, I think I still go Lamar. Yeah, I think that one's really interesting because Lamar has obviously had one of the greatest seasons in the history of football with the 2019 Ravens, but he has been incredibly volatile and not as good since 2019. And it's almost a pick of high upside versus versatility. I think Trevor Lawrence is a more versatile quarterback, even though he's less of a dual threat. You can do more things with him, which right. is like. That's sort of, I don't know, from the the 10,000 foot view, doesn't that seem sort of like the limiting thing with the Ravens offense that they just aren't as versatile and dominant as they could be? 
Yeah, I mean, the the challenge for the Ravens offense or for Lamar Jackson is what they've surrounded him with and the offense that they're running. And it's also mm-hmm. the, the benefit is the offense that they're running. So I've never seen Trevor Lawrence run the ball as well as Lamar Jackson. Um, I've seen Lamar Jackson have passing performances that are as impressive as Trevor Lawrence, maybe not the consistent precision, but Trevor Lawrence also hasn't been consistent. I think if we saw this version of Trevor Lawrence for more time and this version of Lamar Jackson for more time, I would lean Trevor Lawrence, but this is the best version of Trevor Lawrence we've seen. And the best version of Lamar Jackson is still better than this version of Trevor Lawrence in my view. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's to me, I actually think I fall on the other side of it, but it's really close just because it's not, I don't think that I just don't think that Trevor Lawrence is surrounded by a ton of talent either. Obviously Doug Peterson has made a huge difference, but we're, we're talking about Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. We're talking about two and number two and number three receivers as, as the guys who are his one and his one a and one B. Um, yeah, which that's fair. I'm going to ask the next one because this one, and it, you can dismiss it out of hand, but I think it's worth asking because it's someone on the most talented roster versus one of the least. If you just flip them, Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence. And mm. I ask you, how much worse would the Eagles be with Trevor Lawrence? Would they be worse? Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has the capability to run all the plays that Jalen Hurts runs. The tough thing is. Trevor Lawrence has a higher passing upside, but we've seen Jalen Hurts's very high passing upside in this offense. Ugh, that is a really hard one. I'm gonna stick with Jalen Hurts. I I am too, and I like part of me is just like the dude's been one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and has improved in a way that only Josh Allen has ever really improved. Um, and so like to me. I'm sort of in the bag that someone who works like that, and you want to talk about leadership and culture. Like we've heard yeah. that since he was at Alabama, since Nick Saban said he was the player who thinks about football, the most similar to him. Like I'm, I'm pretty all in on Jalen Hurts continuing to improve from here. Um, and the last one, totally different physical profile, totally different amount of talent around them, but Joe Burrow. <sighs> yeah. So this is, yeah. Trevor Lawrence is better than Joe Burrow in all physical like yeah. measures. Joe Burrow, we're going off of like these intangibles that we can't measure. And I would stick with Joe Burrow. So I think Joe Burrow, yeah. I think he's the third best quarterback in the NFL. If you had yeah. me, if you had me draft them after Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, the yeah. third pick I would take is Burrow. Um, so I, I think that's fair. And I think that's a, it's, it's a it, fun it's game. A, I like that. Yeah. And I, I also just think it's illustrative because these are big names and we haven't included Trevor Lawrence in them. And I think if you had asked us 24 months ago, what we thought it could be, we would have said, Oh, potential top seven quarterback by the time he's, you know, 23 years old, Trevor Lawrence. So he's actually on track, despite the fact that he had a, a very traumatic rookie season, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I do want to pivot to Jalen Hurts a tiny bit because the okay. reports are that he has sprained shoulder. There were people on social media who were sped, spreading like the misinformation that he could have a broken collarbone. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Nick Sirianni said he's a freak. He could heal. I'm not ruling him out for Sunday's game against the Cowboys, but there there's three, three interesting levels to this. First is, is this game 
Like, do you even want to see him play? And two, it's the rest versus rust conversation of they need one win to lock up the one seed. And you could pr- presumably rest Jalen Hurts for almost a month because Gardner Minshew is a luxury backup. He really is. He can come in and be competent. And then the third part of this is if you're Jalen Hurts and you're this prideful Eagles team, like he could be giving up the MVP. Yeah. And how does that affect the way that he's thinking about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think that he could be giving up the MVP. He could also be winning the MVP. Yeah. Because as we've talked about, this award is about the story that you can tell. Mm -hmm. And if he leaves and they lose and their offense looks bad, then he comes back for the Saints game, which would be really smart for the Eagles to win that game because they own the Saints pick, which makes the Saints, if they can make the Saints lose again, it makes their pick even higher. Um, and then they're stellar again offensively. I, I do think that helps his his uh, MVP candidacy. Um, the best thing for it would be to play against this Cowboys team and dominate at a, a 430 game, 430 start when everyone would be watching them. That would help. But I do think that he could win that MVP. This could help his MVP, but he kind of needs his offense to look terrible without him. And... So, yeah, I don't – I think the rest versus rust conversation is interesting but somewhat overplayed. Uh, I don't know. You want a healthy guy, not uh, like a, a injured hot player. The, the thing that worries me about them the most is he led the league in design quarterback runs. With 119, I think the second person had uh, 33 fewer. That's a big part of the game. And – I would assume that the Eagles are going to call fewer of those plays. They're not going to call them unless they need them. And from a defensive standpoint, because of his running ability, you have to take plays, defensive plays out of your playbook altogether. They're back in now because I think you're inviting him to run. And just the basic zone read, uh, as everybody understands, the zone read is the defense kind of decides who takes the ball, the running back or the quarterback by how they play it. Now, I think it's already kind of decided for them. Because they're going to crash down on the running back and force Jalen Hurts to run the ball. So the special thing about their offense is how they've been able to throw deep, short, win games that way. They've won games with Jalen Hurts running for 100 yards. That 100-yard Jalen Hurts game or that game plan that's completely um, designed around his running ability, it's gone. And whatever fear that the defense has about calling a play that would not work well against a quarterback run, it's gone. So I don't know how badly he's hurt. I'm not worried about his passing necessarily as much as I'm worried about the limitations that it puts on their offense. Yeah. And worth noting, and this could be a preview for uh, Dominique Foxworth offseason podcast, where we can talk about quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks and how they actually get injured and yeah. how it actually works. But Jalen hurts 184 quarterback contacts this season, which is the third most in the NFL behind Justin Fields and Daniel Jones. So regardless of how he plays, he's a physical player. He is inviting himself to get hit more often than other quarterbacks. And if I'm running the Eagles, the only thing that really matters to me at this point is having him in form by the playoffs. And really, if I'm going to be honest in the NFC, really by the NFC championship game. Like if they get that one seed, which look, I know last year, the one seeds did not make the Super Bowl. 
I know that we're, we've been conditioned to think that the team that gets the buy has this massive advantage. And you know what? We're right. They do. And if he can be really healthy, basically have a second preseason over the over these next four weeks before they get there. That's a game changer for this team. We know this team's the best team in the NFC. Or if they aren't, they're right there with the 49ers. And that's that's what we need Jalen Hurts to play like Jalen Hurts in that game. Because Gardner Minshew's fine, but you're not you're not beating the 49ers team. You're not going to the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts being healthy. I mean, it's what you thought about Carson Wentz. Yeah. He did it with Nick Foles. But yeah, anyway, I, I think you're right. That was probably unfair of me to bring up that uh, aberration. I guess Jeff Hotstetler did it also. Uh, yeah. It's happened a few, a few times, yeah. but it's not something that you want to bank on. And I think you're you're probably right. So yeah, getting Jalen Hurts healthy for that. But yeah, it still remains to me is that it changes them. Even if he's healthy, they're going to be hesitant to call those plays. So they are a weaker team no matter what because they're going to be trying to protect Jalen Hurts going forward. They could still win being a weaker team because the 49ers, for me, the big question around the 49ers is Brock Purdy is a fine game manager and he's really good when they play well. Yeah. Um, We have not seen Brock Purdy pressing. We have not seen Brock Purdy uh, down a bunch of points and trying to come back. That was the limitation uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. And my assumption is that's still the limitation that this team has now with Brock Purdy. And the, the, the Brock Purdy conversation just quickly before we move on, like I've been pretty adamant that like, we know he's a real NFL quarterback and you can see that sometimes immediately that people are not. And you can see Brock Purdy that he is with that said, He's going to have a bad game at some point. He is not going to be an ultra efficient uh, additive player for the 49ers in every single game they play moving forward when the talent they play against and the game plans they play against get better. Like, sorry, he's human. And the only person who we don't really see that happen to is Tom Brady, whose level somehow rises. And Brock well, not Tom Brady. Wow. I mean, as I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast knows, that Bucks Super Bowl run. Tom Brady was pretty bad. Yeah. The defense was really great, which is, I mean, Purdy has that advantage also that he has a really great defense to rely on. But yeah, I just meant historically. He's one of the few players whose numbers can even be amplified as the leverage gets higher. Let's do our our bets really quick now and go to these before we get into... um, how we suck at social media with the Vikings and uh, then Jokic. So right, cool. bets we're hot three and one last week. We're now seven and four over the last two weeks, 24 and 25 on the year. And I have seven bets for us to choose from going right. into this game. Okay. And you can cross any of these off. We are going to have, we are going to be team unanimous on the ones we actually pick. Okay. Chargers minus four at the Colts. Okay. I don't, I know you don't want to bet against your man's Jeff Saturday. But the Colts seem to be a tiny bit imploding, and I'm already doubting myself for trusting the Chargers. But they do seem like the better team with more to play for right now. All right, we'll do it. Uh, we'll take this tainted money, this <laughs> this uh, friendship tainted money. All right, Chargers, let's move on. I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. With okay, it. fine. It's probably a smart bet, but it makes me angry because Jeff. Um. Chiefs and Lions over 48 and a half. Yes. Uh, okay. We're, we're at, okay. I think that one, they're going to have two good offensive performances. I know that the Lions defense has been better, 
Um, but you have to imagine they're going to run it up and Mahomes is going to have a better offensive performance than he had last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Chiefs defense, by the way, has been has been really bad. They gave yeah. they hemorrhaged against the Texans, and that matters. Um, next one, Bengals minus three at the Patriots. Why are the Bengals still getting these three-point lines against teams that aren't that good? I know yeah, they're I on the road, but... I don't get it. I mean, Chase is still healthy, right? Did something happen? Is there a major injury that I don't know about? This seems no. like an... Uh, I mean, I guess winning by more than three in the NFL is always hard. And there, there's some Belichick respect that I don't know that that team deserves anymore. But I like this bet. We're going to go with it. Bengals, negative three. They win by more than three points. Yeah. And then this one's for the the Jaguars Jets. Do you like Jags minus one at the Jets winning that game by more than a point? Uh, so do we not care about the Jags going to play in cold weather the same way we did the Dolphins playing in cold weather? That's not a thing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence probably saw snow at Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> the Alabama. Yeah. I, I tend not to think that the cold weather is much of the problem as much as it's the condition. So like, if it's not windy, it's not snowy. Um, I like that. I think this is just a, a bet on quarterbacks being more important than anything else. Right. Cause yeah. It it does it does scare me a tiny bit that we just haven't really realized how great the Jets defense is and we could see yeah. a, a bit of a dip because I was looking at Sauce Gardner. He never allowed a touchdown in college. Sauce Gardner never allowed a touchdown in college. That dude's a freak. And that secondary is gonna make it a lot more difficult for Trevor Lawrence. So I'm fine staying away with this one, but also like this is a quarterback bet. Like never bet on the worst quarterback. All right, let's do it. Zach's playing again. Let's do it. I'm with you. Right. Um Next one, money line parlay. Okay. Browns over the Saints, mm-hmm. Titans over the Texans. Nope. I'm out. Okay. Yeah. I'm Watson, out. Watson's been a bad quarterback. Yeah. The Browns and aren't that good. The Texans have been competitive lately, and the Titans, I never know what to expect from them. Um, yeah. I, I went out on this one all, all together. All right. Totally fine with chopping that one. So, my next bet. It's a teaser. You get six points back in your favor to boost the odds uh, in the favor of the book. So this one I have, we we got six extra points. 49ers just winning by one against Washington. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay just winning by more than 0.5. So really just winning the game versus Arizona and Colt McCoy. And the third one, Philly losing by less than 10.5 at Dallas. And the odds of that are plus 160. So we making making extra money for the, the Foxworth podcast betters. All right. I like it. I mean, I think the 49ers win. I mean, it's the long way across the country to Washington. Uh, the quarterbacks, I mean, it's not a huge quarterback advantage if there is one at all in Washington. The defense is much better for 49ers. I think that works. Um, I don't like betting on the bucks but they need this game in arizona seems a shambles that's um, it to me it's like yeah the bucks are, are are not great but can't are we really gonna think they're not gonna beat this arizona team and this colt mccoy led arizona team that's crumbling all right i'm with you and then i mean I, I think philly's good enough to keep within 10 points to dallas so yeah i like that we'll go right. with it how do we Last count one. that? Do we count? Do we count? I mean, we need them all to hit to get. Yep, we need them all to hit. All right. Okay. I mean, we can take out. We can take out uh, 
uh, Tampa, Arizona, and it'll be minus 120. It'll be close to even odds. You can just do a two-team teaser. with. We could do it with Philly and the 49ers, if you're more comfortable with that bet. Mm. Nope, leave it. All right. Big money it. returns. Three-team right. tees, and the last one, Packers-Dolphins over 48 and a half. I think we've sort of forgotten, or haven't forgotten, or haven't talked enough, the fact that the Packers' offense hasn't been that bad since Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs have emerged like this. And the Dolphins, their offense got back on track. And it's at home. They're going to be playing in nice weather. You're doing a good job. I like these bets. We're about to go All 6 right. and 0 this week. Roll it. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Quick, quick pivot into how much we suck at social media. Me and you are not the most active on social media. We don't, we don't have the best tweets. Micah Parsons is terrifying. Um, <laughs> we'd send out links to this podcast. None, none of them are that pithy. But we did ask our listeners, because neither one of us think that the Vikings are good and aren't going to win the Super Bowl. And I asked for punishments to be sent our way, um, if they do. And I will go through them now on ones that we could do. One of them is to get the Carlos Boozer painted haircut. Uh, it's, one, that's great. One is to drink a gallon of purple Kool-Aid. Um, disgusting. And a gallon is a lot more than I think you yeah. realize when it gets put out there. The third one, I'm not going to do it. Get a face tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I, I We can get temporary face tats. Yeah. Uh, I'll do that. I'll wear a temporary face tat on TV or something like that. And the the last one is to run a marathon. Hell, and no. this is I, I think I, I would do that one. If Kirk Cousins hosts the Lombardi Trophy, I will run a marathon for for uh, I love you know it. what? And I'll raise money for a cause and donate to something because you can okay. always get people to support you. So I might run that haircut or run that marathon with Carlos Boozer's haircut. <laughs> Um, it's going to bleed into your eyes. We can't play that game. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know. Yeah. I'm not a marathon guy. I don't need that in my life. I ran a 10 miler with my dad one time and that was enough for me. Yeah. I ran a 10 miler too. And it was really long, but yeah. I'm not confident about the Vikings not winning the Super Bowl. So, uh, let's go with that. Any, do we have any vows or any, you know, potential new year's resolutions about us being better at social media about <laughs> Um, we got one more show, right? We're gonna yeah. we're gonna record one more show for the people um for the Christmas week. So that can be homework for both of us because I cannot vow to be better at social media. I suck at it and I'm fine. Like I don't I don't want to post on Instagram and I don't want uh to care about what people reply to me on Twitter. I should though. I don't yeah. know. Our careers would be better if we did, but oh well. We're stubborn old men. We'll 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 try and work on it. No promises. <laughs> zero promises zero promises all right well charlie i appreciate you carrying us today it's very helpful um christina buswell thank you as usual sarah abbott Addie Khan, appreciate it um they made fun of me because i say happy holidays after every episode so why not uh keep the vibes going happy holidays even though we'll be back for one more to give you something to listen to rather than talk to your family during christmas all right Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.